Have you ever noticed the world isn't quite what it presents itself to be? That something is just a little off kilter, just a little out of focus. Some of you may know me from my career in the distilled spirits industry as the alchemist of the Black Forest of Indiana. An industry, as I see it, more than just a little influenced by the occult and the work of opening doors and capturing essences. Here, you'll see another side of what I do and how I'm influenced by such experiences. Here, myself and occasionally friends will share first-hand accounts, stories shared with us, for tea and news, interviews, and a healthy dose of history and speculation. Settle in for the ride and enjoy. Perhaps that movement you saw out of the corner of your eye was more than just a shadow. Perhaps that weight on your shoulder, a bit more than fatigue. I've lived my whole life like this. Perceptive of those things that might be viewed by the less aware amongst us as simple circumstances, magic thinking, or even make-believe. Anticipating with the many ups and downs of my own perception, I have anxiously awaited the more positive of those experiences, dreading those of a darker caliber. I believe from societal observation in recent years that others are becoming acutely aware of the currently scientifically unmeasurable world that surrounds us. I believe that spiritual warfare is real. Join us as we take a hard left into the heath and the heather. Join us as we call out into the void, as the veil frays at the edges, and recall, if you have ghosts, you have everything. Welcome back to If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything with your host, Alan Bishop, the Alchemist of the Black Forest. So if my voice sounds a little off, and it has a couple times this year because of, uh, you know, various sinus stuff, whatever. But uh, yesterday, myself and Kim and Penny Marie, we went to uh, Holiday World and uh, actually managed to get Penny Marie to ride two of the big roller coasters, the first two real roller coasters she's ever been on. And uh, we had a great day there for their... I don't remember what they call it. It's like Halloween Horror Nights or something like that. But uh, great time. If you get a chance before the end of the year, go out there to Holiday World in uh, Santa Claus, Indiana. Take the family. It's a great day. They're open to like 8 o'clock on, I think, Fridays and Saturdays. or I don't know exactly which two days, but they, it's a weekend thing now. But uh, anyways, that being said, finally getting around to recording the intro for the Jeff Muller and Roxy show. So Jeff and Roxy are from the Scotchy Bourbon Boys, and I became friends with them a couple years ago. Uh, we just recently took out some advertising for If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything, as well as the One Piece of Time Distilling Institute with Jeff and Roxy, because I really like those people. They're good people all the way around. We consider them great friends, and we had a good Good night, Kim and I sitting here talking over Zoom to Jeff and Roxy. Uh, they had an interesting uh, story to tell and to share with everyone uh, involving some of the paranormal things that actually caused them to move to their new home in Ohio from where they used to live. And I think you guys will appreciate it. Again, this show does not focus primarily on distilled spirits, obviously. It's all about uh, the actual spirits that roam the world, especially this time of the year as the veil is thinning. And I thought that Jeff and Roxy had a great story to tell. It's only tangentially tied, obviously, to um, what they got into later with the Scotchy Bourbon Boys and our relationship on the side. But I'm trying to get some of my friends on here. 
that I know mostly primarily through either the distilled spirits industry or home distilling, etc., to share their stories because I've heard so many cool stories over the years that don't ever see the light of day. So for right now, this can be the platform for that kind of stuff. We've got several other guests coming up in the near future that I've worked with in the past, including a, a very good friend of mine by the name of Nate Cox, who's going to be coming on. We've got uh, Brad and Mary Lewinberger coming on before too long. Uh, we've got an interview with another distillery coming up here shortly. Um, you know, as I told you guys in the past, we're going to run this thing in seasons. So at the end of October, the very last, uh, episode of this season is actually going to run on the day of the dead, November 1st. And that's going to be Jack Begadoo's second episode. Uh, next weekend, next, uh, Sunday, we intend to release our first crossover episode of two with Stephanie McNew. So anything that we record in between, I'm going to take my time on because we're probably not going to come back until the weekend of Thanksgiving and delve into the other issues that we are looking into now, including um, the legend of Prince Matic, uh, giants throughout uh, uh, North America, but particularly with an emphasis, uh, you know, in the Ohio Valley where we live at, etc. Uh, some dark Santa stuff, some dark Christmas stuff. We're going to get into all that stuff uh, when we come back from our break. But this is a kind of long episode, but I think it's worth listening to. I think you guys will really enjoy it. So set back. Relax and enjoy. I love y'all. Later. Hey guys, Alan Bishop back, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest here with a very special offer for those of you who might be interested in producing your own spirits. So if you've been trying to learn what it takes to start making your own amazing spirits at home, but Google and YouTube just leave you with more questions, does it feel like you don't even know where to start? Well, my buddy Cyrus Mason of Still in the Clear has got you covered with a brand new program he calls the Moonshiners Academy. Moonshiners Academy courses are designed to take you from start to finish in an organized process that guarantees success. Learn quickly and effectively with their progressive step-by-step -step methods. The very first Moonshiners Academy course has been launched. Become a Moonshiner and make your first batch of shine today by checking out www.moonshinersacademy.com. Tailored to the first-time shiner, starting with Module 1, choosing the right equipment, and moving you step by step to the final module, blending and proofing your final spirit. A mix of video and audio lessons combined with downloadable worksheets, cheat sheets, and distiller's notes is why Moonshiners Academy courses guarantee your success. Their only one email guarantee is a 100% money back refund that requires you to just send them an email saying you want your money back. They'll happily and promptly refund your full purchase price, plus your next course is on them. Make sure you go to moonshinersacademy.com today and sign up for the first course. If you use the special code ALAN20, A-L-A-N, all capital letters, 20, you'll get a 20% discount exclusive to listeners of If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything, Distillers Talk, as well as viewers of the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute channel on YouTube. To take full advantage of this special opportunity from Moonshiners Academy, be sure to go to the show notes wherever you get your podcast and click on our affiliate link. Once you get there, make sure that you use the code ALAN, A-L-A-N, all caps, 20, 
for your special discount. So we're the, I'm Jeff and I'm Rachel. We're the Mueller's. Yep. (laughs) And, and, uh, we hail from the Milwaukee slash suburban area of Wisconsin. Yeah. We both uh, grew up. I was born in Milwaukee. She was born in Milwaukee Mm -hmm. and grew up in the Milwaukee area. And we were there for 40 years. I mean, Mm -hmm. we pretty much left on my 40th birthday. Yep. (laughs) But, but uh, anyways, uh, uh, you are. I am uh, Tiny of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys, and I'm also a Jeff Mueller plant manager of uh, the Sleznik Recycling Company. And I'd like to go by more like Tiny because there's a lot of whiskey involved with that one, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you are. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm Roxy of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys and on the podcast and in the, my day-to-day life. I am a um, direct entry midwife, so I catch babies uh, for people at home. So I'm a home birth midwife and I do everything else related to birth, lactation, childbirth education, on and on and on. So that's my world, is the world of women's health. Now, Jeff, Jeff, real quick, I have a question. If you don't want this in the show, I'll, uh, I'll obviously edit it out. But uh, you also do some some healing work too, right? Yes, uh, I've been uh, trained in uh, energy healing, and uh, one of the reasons why I went into energy healing is because um, pretty much from when I was a little boy, I have uh, I'm in tune with the energy around me. And then as I got older, you, I kind of found out that that energy could be manipulated. For good. <laughs> it, it, and as you, you can remove negative energy, you can replace it with positive energy. There's always a balance, but the balance can be pushed. And there are certain things that would happen that I always chalked up to coincidence. And as I, as you get older and older, you realize that you can't just have a hundred percent of everything every time it happens be chalked up to a coincidence. So I kind of wanted to. I, I met a person uh, through. Uh, we were doing essential essential oils, mm-hmm. and we went to the uh, DoTerra convention in Utah. And when I walked into the the convention was at the basketball arena of the Utah Jazz, and with eighteen thousand people, I walked into the arena and there was a woman that seemed to have a huge spotlight on her to me and I thought that was weird and she looked at me and smiled and mm-hmm. I had no idea who she was. It turned out that she was in our group of doTERRA people that were out there and she met us and we got to talk to her and then that's when i was uh introduced into the energy healing aspect because she mentioned it and then there she had trained some people that we had met there and then once she once i kind of got introduced to it i was interested in it yeah but you you missed the most important part of that story is that in that giant auditorium she said she 
That was that person. Yeah. Signaled you, you know, out. She did not realize who you were or that we were part of the group. Either. But she could see, you know, your Same abilities. Thing. Right. From afar. And that's why she, she sought you out in this giant auditorium. She turned out to be a chiropractor from Australia. Slash energy healer. Yeah. And she she all she was using the energy and teaching people about energy because she used to do chiropractic uh, adjustments on her clients and they never would hold. So when she got into started looking into what else she could do, she basically learned to um, make it so that she could adjust the energy along with the physical and make it hold. Yeah, that that's pretty interesting too because that you know both of those both those things, um, Roxy with with what you do and and Jeff with with that whole energy healing thing. Obviously, you guys are a little more open to those sort of things. And I have a an aunt who does well. I guess she'd be a cousin. A cousin. Yeah, who does the do, DoTerra yeah, thing. Does doTERRA. And I have the the big um, reference book, which I absolutely right. love. Yeah. Oh yeah. We and have that. Yeah, we have the good reference book before they changed it. Right. <laughs> so was it? Would it? Would you call it more Reiki energy healing, or maybe a more traditional folk practice of energy healing? Um, it's my own. I mean, I took what they taught me, and then I use it. Uh, I can use it in a way, and and it's funny because the only thing I can say is the the hardest part about this is the self doubt when it works, like. But every time that I do this and I don't do it, I'm not like doing it every day, but when you, when I get called upon to do it, it's been 100% yeah. successful, even down to this. My, my wife asked me a question where I thought I was completely wrong when I tested it. And in the end it was 100% right. So, I mean, I thought I was going to have my first time that it was wrong. You know, I just, yeah. it, it didn't look good for the person. And uh, I said that the person was going to make it, but there was like 5% chance a person was going to make it, but the person made it. Yeah. It's like Jeff can read your, the auras that you're giving off your chakras, the um, how energy flows through you, whether or not you're, um, connected to what he calls the universal energy or if you're very closed off and isolated so it can help people to like channel their the positive energy or the energy that all around us for for healing that's how yeah. i describe it very cool that yeah. is very cool yeah that's 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 right up our right up our alley obviously as far as that stuff goes so um it's yeah. obvious to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's hard for, I call them lay people to understand sometimes. Like, um, it, it's, you know. Well, just like I, I really believe if you have an essential oil, like you're, you're well, it's connected to the earth. It's connected to the energy. Well, it but, has energy. But, yes. but if you're not going to sit there and think that it has any energy and you're going to tell your body that this is bullshit, your body will reject any kind of the end. You, you can set up a block to block the energy that it could release and help. So if you believe it and you can align yourself with the essential oil, you're going to get a better result. And essential oils definitely help 
with when I'm when I'm doing some of the stuff that I do. She taught me how to test for essential oils that might help and what and what they do. And even I pretty much test blind. So uh, when I when I'm testing, I'm not looking at it and I'll pull it out. And then every single time I, I've ever done it, it gets it's wild. It's just like it's it's you look at the emotions or you look at what it's supposed to do in the book and what the person is needing yeah, is what it is. I see Kim's Kim's gears are turning. <laughs> <laughs> Intuition and intention are everything in my practice. When what I do, I don't necessarily like I have the books of correspondences and everything and I use them and I use them to guide me, but I don't necessarily follow it exactly the way you're supposed to or the way that teachers tell you you're supposed to i do what feels right to me and in my practice if you don't put in the work within yourself and put your intentions into what you're working with it doesn't work and if they, if they don't believe in it too right. it's not going to work like like what what they're saying you know yep you know, the other... it's funny because there's there's people who might are might say they don't believe or whatever but one of the things she taught me to do is ask the universe for permission and that the meaning her or the people and if somebody truly doesn't believe or truly is against it you won't get permission mm -hmm. right and then there's people who i've helped and things are going really well and somehow there's an aspect of negative energy that happens where they like do things like avoid you because they don't want you taking credit for what happened to them. This oh is yeah, right. And I'm just like I would never. I'm not trying to take credit for what happened to you. I'm just happy that you're feeling better. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that, that happens in in all the fields too. You know, it's not just a spiritual thing. That's a, a <laughs> nobody ever wants to admit when they've got a helping hand from somebody. Well, yeah, but this is more, you know, I I do it out of caring and love and it's it's more hurtful when it's pulled back. Absolutely. Like, you know, <laughs> but oh, yeah, that's kind of how it works for for me. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So and you guys have obviously got a, uh, a story to be told, and I'm presuming that you've never done it on any kind of platform. So this this will be it'd be awesome to be able to do this with you guys. Uh, and put the story out there. So before Jeff goes into his very specific recollection of the story, <laughs> I will give him a little bit of you know, razzing about it. Um, I, I think it's the there's a little backstory. It's important to know that um, I grew up in a haunted house. My well, 30 years I lived in a house that was haunted um, in every possible. Um, documented way so with um, apparitions um, poltergeist activity um, objects moving um, voices that probably more than a dozen maybe even two dozen maybe even more than that and those of us who lived in the house heard saw experienced on a regular basis so when he's getting the goosebumps oh, right, right now, now. <laughs> so when when Jeff and I met and he 
you know, we started to get into our lives and our background or whatever. And of course, he saw the entity in my house. Um, and very early on in our first few days of dating, or at least in the first week, um, and we, I was very accepting of all of his very interesting qualities, let's put it that way, because I was a believer in that I had always, you know, you have to believe it when it's happening to you on a daily basis. Yeah. So here we, you know, people have said to us, well, maybe it's not the places you go and the places you live. Maybe it's you guys. <laughs> well, there's there's definitely that aspect that you're open to it as well. You know, it's right. it's both. It's the places that you've been, but it's also that you're open to it. Right. And not everybody sees and experiences things. You know, no. our children do some of them. So if, if it's a hereditary ability, it, they've definitely acquired it. <laughs> well, and I, th I think well, it's a people, people that are more open to it are kind of antennas and that it finds you because it knows, number one, that you even unintentionally are going to give it energy and then it can be stronger. Yeah, well, and to some degree, too, depending on what you believe in, obviously, but just me, those are, whether it's negative or positive, to some degree... That is a spiritual gift that whatever version of God you believe in gave you because not the reason that I think a lot of people don't see it. A, a lot of people that can see it, turn it off, but B, there are people that can't see it because they couldn't cope with it. Right. There's no way. Oh, that they I agree could. with that. hundred oh, percent. I agree with that. And with that, you may start the. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. The story starts when we initially, uh, in 19, I believe it was 1992, mm -hmm. uh, the fall of 92, we moved into a, our house. It was in Greenfield, Wisconsin, and uh, there was still some grass cutting uh, to be done to the yard throughout. It wasn't that late in fall. And I noticed about a six foot long, three foot wide patch of dead grass in a square underneath like a the mulberry it was a rectangle underneath the mulberry bush or tree and i was like that's really weird it was like a perfect square so the next year the next year um we were what would you say um the the, the grass came up and it all grew there it was green so um the kids were kindergarten first grade preschool kind of all that kind of thing going on and uh what it was yeah so we were like um and plus we a dog or whatever and we kind of noticed a couple weird things happening in the house like um there was like a corner where the dog would just start barking at it. Like there was nothing there, but the dog, but the dog would just start barking right in the corner and you try and like knock it off. It'd be like just barking. And this was upstairs. It, there was not like it was in a basement. It was chasing anything. It was just would bark. And then that fall again, as it got to be fall, that square happened again. So I was a little bit, intrigued by this by like what why wouldn't the why would the grass grow and then die you know what i mean i even looked into it and so 
At one point, I think as we we're going along, we reseeded. I dug up the thing and I put mm -hmm. down new grass seed, you know, thinking that there was something there. And again, came up the next summer, <laughs> grass died in the square. So this happened, you know, was happening. And so then we go all the way to what, 99, when our, our youngest son is born. Mm -hmm. Our yes, Seth, he's now 20, whatever, 23 years old. <laughs> yeah, right, 99. And that was in the, in the winter. And when we would uh, have him and hold him, he would start, like when he was first starting to talk, would talk to the corner of the house. He'd be like looking like there was something there. And he'd be like talking to it. You know, we're talking like, you know, in a conversation. early, and we were just like perplexed. And it was sometimes it was the same corner that the dog would bark at. So we're just kind of going, what's going on? So it was about 2000 when I first got the first vision. Uh, the it was a blue hooded person and I was down, our, our house was a ranch. So there was a hallway mm. that ran from where the garage, where you would come in the garage all the way till the other end of the house where the, the bedrooms were and there was a bathroom. And I saw a man in a blue hoodie walk into the bathroom. And I was at by the garage and it freaked me out. And I instantly went running down the hallway to see why there was a man in the blue hoodie. And when I looked in the bathroom, there was nothing. So that was the first weird thing that happened. We saw him many more times. I saw him, um, the, the, our daughters would hear him whisper things in their ears, which would freak them out, like, get out. Or, and then, or... you know, this was, this is when they were starting to be in fifth and sixth grade. And uh, we, they would like come home from school and sh my wife would be gone and I'd be at work and they would just, they were supposed to go to the neighbor's house and they were able to get in the house. And then they come, they, the one day they just came running out because they heard it tell them to get out. Yeah. And, and we weren't really telling them about anything no, yet. They were still no. little. Yeah. And um, so Seth was probably about, what, five, four, no, four, three, three or four. And he would, he, he was very verbal, even as a two and a three-year-old. So he could talk in complete sentences, the youngest of four kids, and with a seven-year gap between him and his sister. And he started telling me about the little boy that would sit at the end of his bed. And his friend that would sit at the end of his bed. And I would ask him, well, who, you know, describe this little boy that would sit at the end of your bed. And he said, well, he's, he has blonde hair and he wears, he wears those jeans that, um, that, you know, clip on you. He's trying to describe bib overalls and uh, a red plaid shirt after he was describing it to me. And they would, you know, have so conversations. The, this is when I started looking into the history of the land. Yes, because this 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 house was built there in the fifties, right? Yep. The fifties. So it wasn't like it was a super old house, right? So we started wondering, like, what was around here before? Like, was this a farm? Was this? It it turned out to be an, an orchard, orchard. But yeah. we started looking into it, and this is when something that wasn't 
good. Yeah. Started to sh to now. This is this is the part that gets really freaking weird. So, something didn't like that you were you were. No, figured. not at all. I was looking no. into it, and yeah. so the first thing that happened to me is that I used to work late hours, and we had a detached garage from the house that you would pull straight in the drive. You didn't have to the the name the detached garage. You'd have to make a hard left, an L turn. But the detached garage, you could just pull straight in. And I used to pull my work car in. So I come home late at night. And I came home late at night one night. And out of nowhere, the garage disintegrated. And I was just sitting there looking at, we lived on a creek, okay? A backyard, big hill down to a creek. And there were bushes there there was no bushes usually there and there was something that was looking at children i could hear the children and it was spying on the children down by the creek and it was way different it was like there was no house the land was it was just like he was in a wooded area you know and it just freaked me out oh, yeah, and you it were seriously freaked it, out. I, it happened like three times to me where it would start and I would just whatever get out so, of the garage as so fast as I, I stopped parking the car in the garage and she asked me and I said you really don't want to know this this is too nuts and she's like I want to know so I said I can't park it in there because every time I go in there I'm getting a vision of this perceived maybe child molester or some kind of stalker stalking and it was just disturbing to me so <laughs> you tell them what you did and then i'll tell them what i did so i was very spiritual and very religious person um and so i thought well i'm going to um go into the garage and pray and i brought a candle in there and i sat down on the floor i i did not see the garage dematerialize um that happened for me later inside the house so that's a fun story when the house turned into something else but i'm sitting there and i prayed and asked for you know what i call you know angels or the people in the light or something to you know remove whatever bad entity or evil presence or whatever it was to to take it away that's and that's what I I did that on two or three different occasions. Um, What's up, guys? It's me again, Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest. You might remember from a couple weeks ago. We had on Jeremy Elliott, the historian of Washington County, Indiana, to talk about some of the haunted history of Washington County, Indiana. We also talked about the murder and mayhem tour that Jeremy heads up in Salem, Indiana. So if you're at all interested in the darker side of small town life and history, check out the murder and mayhem tour. Friday and Saturday, October 14th and 15th. Tours leave every 20 minutes beginning at 6 o'clock p.m. The last tour leaves at 9.40 p.m. and the walk takes about 50 minutes. It's $15 per person and recommended for ages 13 and up. 
If you're interested, then text Charity Maine at 812-620-3701. Again, 812-620-3701 for reservations. I'll see you there. I did that on two or three different occasions um, without telling Jeff because, I don't know, I just didn't. She didn't tell me. We sort of kept, at this time when all these strange things were happening, sort of kept them away from each other a little bit. Um, yeah. And uh, and it stopped after that. Well, what happened. In the garage. But, you, but what I said, she had done it and I had pulled the car in um, and, you know, because I wanted to see whatever. And nothing happened. And then that week, I started pulling the car back in. So I said to her, I said, it doesn't seem to be doing it anymore. Not knowing she had done. She goes, well, that's because I told it to go to the light. And I'm like, okay, there, you fixed it. (laughs) (laughs) So we keep going. And now it's um, our last Christmas. So it had been Christmas of 2002. And I was up on the roof putting Christmas lights on. Okay. And we had been looking into it. We're still here, right? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and so we were looking. We were. She was helping me down below. But there's a point in, on our on our by our garage where the ranch comes to its highest point. Okay, where it's like the and and uh, I'm up there putting Christmas lights. They were the icicle lights at the time, and I'm on the edge and I'm having trouble getting this one on so i leaned over to hook it better where i got my arm underneath it and something pushed me from behind and i went straight down onto my hit my chest and almost i i remember scratching my my glove onto the shingles and almost falling off the roof and she saw it and she's like what the hell was that i said it looked like something just tried to launch you off but the I roof felt it push me <laughs> listen you got you guys already lived there longer than i would have uh i would right. listen the well, thing in the beginning the, the thing in the woods is bad enough but i can i can just choose not to go to the woods if i if i don't want to right <laughs> yeah but it's... now i do i do have a question so the the garage sort of thing right so does, did that come off to you as and maybe in hindsight you, you you'd see it differently than you did then did that come off as like a vision or did that come off as like you know, not not like a vision, but somewhat, but maybe you're actually drawn into like a different physical plane or something. Right, like through a portal. You're you're seeing it something was, through a portal. It was, it was definitely. I wasn't asleep. I admit I was overworked, but it disappeared, and I felt like something was showing me this. So, like a vision, yeah. So. Do you feel some, like maybe the the some, child ghost was showing it to you? So like, I actually think we I eventually found out the boy's name. His name was Timmy. And when I said Timmy, um Seth, my youngest, said I yeah, I think that's his name. And I think that there was something going I think he was trying to show me what happened to him. Okay. Right. So now we go forward to the last year that we lived there. It's um, we 
had decided. So right now, June 15th was Father's Day. So in April, I had decided with our neighbors who had, we've heard this, had heard this story that I was going to dig up the square and see what <laughs> we the hell's underneath there. The neighbor After was going pushed. to help us. Yeah, yeah. and the neighbor was, the, the neighbor. Kim is over here going, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's funny because I, I, before you, before you say this, I have to tell you something that we did not mention in the trickster episode. Uh, but when all this stuff was going on, and I don't know if Kim remembers this, uh, the neighbors would see in the big cats and all that stuff and the, the crop circles and everything. The one neighbor suggested that if you remember this, we all get our guns. We all form a line of farmers, right? right. As though we're in the movie predator. And we, <laughs> we start down, we start down the railroad. Yeah. We start from down the railroad at the next crossing and we, we come all the way across those farms and try to flush it out. And I'm like, no, that no, sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. and, and honestly, I didn't want him to dig it up. I, I'm telling you this right now. I, I like, said, don't dig it. Whatever like, is down there it's, it's, needs it's to stay Jimmy. down there. I mean, thinks, it was, it was, that's where he buried him. He thinks he I'm, was I'm that, I'm that weird neighbor that you guys have. That's like, Hey, listen, if, if you want to dig it up, I mean, I will, I'll watch you from like across the fence. And then when oh. you do, when you do find something, I'm going to be like, what'd you think you were going to find? <laughs> so you're, you're I, the neighbor who were both getting shit faced and then we both go <laughs> dig it up. So don't even say anything different. Amzie's <laughs> Am, standing next to me. And I'm like, you go help him. <laughs> there you, go. The, you know you mentioned digging it up and it reminded me that the dog so our dog started digging in the front yard one time dexter he was a blue tick coon hound german shepherd mix the greatest dog ever and he starts digging and but he dug that after the fire yeah but yeah yeah so he's he's digging 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 like mad and i said i'm just gonna let him go i'm not gonna stop him because i want to know what he's gonna dig up and he dug a hole big enough to put himself in almost and pulled out a cat's eye marble out of the ground and brought it to me like wow like yeah like the like the big marble you glass play marble. with yeah. a glass marble and it was yeah. glass i still have it this big old cat's eye glass marble but anyway that was just interesting but before jeff goes and finishes start start or starts the starts the bad <laughs> part of the story yeah. um I, on on three different occasions, once I woke up in the middle of the night and I sat up in my bed and I looked around our bedroom, which faced the back of the house and the walls were like a dungeon. Like the room, I was sitting in a, a mud floored, like mud room type looking basement. And I thought, oh, I'm having, you know, well, I, I'm dreaming, right? Because I just woke up. But then I realized I'm wide awake. I'm not dreaming. And I'm looking around the room and I look down uh, our hallway because we're, you know, out the long, we're at the end of that long hallway and the hallway looked like that too. And then while I sat there, it all like smoky disappeared and then the house was back again. But you woke me up. I woke Jeff. And what I caught was just the the atmosphere of the, like the, the smoky like the, atmosphere right? well, yeah not quite smoky but bl like blurry. blurry it was blurry like, like, it like went... i caught that part yeah he's like, like he's like what the weird. heck he's like the walls were blurry i'm like, like yeah like, he... like it was like the, the room was misty yeah exactly that's like what a... and then it was gone almost like uh uh 
sort of the concept of like ectoplasm, right? From from exactly like yeah. it, like it's just like it was moving. Yeah, yeah, like there was some kind there was some kind of substance there that was that was maybe presenting whatever you're seeing. Like sure. like maybe yeah. a physical representation of the, the veil or like what yeah. we perceive as the veil. Right. Yeah. So. There you go. And and I'm sitting on the bed and I I you know, I'm cuz I'm curious, right? I look off the edge of the bed and there's rats on the on the dirt floor. <laughs> so Wow. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're that's a vision, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Not a whole lot of them, but like two or three. And yeah. I'm like, almost like ah. sim- some, almost like symbolic. More like a cellar, yeah. Like a, so. That's like what a, I'm thinking. Like, some like somehow of, wherever that house was built, whatever was, was there built before, there, yeah. it was like his, you know, like his cellar where he yeah. is grabbing kids and killing them or I whatever. Don't I don't know. So <laughs> let's get to the, the actual ghost story <laughs> this isn't the ghost so story. now we're up to may 24th the weekend of may 24th 2003 the reason why i know it is that there was an event that happened in 2003 and this is our anniversary and myself and roxy decided to go on a retreat up to mazumani wisconsin yeah which... so i like to book bed and breakfast for our anniversary all over the state you know just i'm like hey let's go here and stay at this bed and breakfast so this is the and i'm like oh this is a cool little town and a cool bed and breakfast so it's right outside of madison not too far away my mom's watching the kids we can get home quick if there's a catastrophic emergency or something and we went up on uh was it did we go up on a no we went up on a friday, friday night, night yep stayed and then saturday and then saturday night and then came back home on sunday so um we go up there and it's got this i i can only tell you this i didn't couldn't put my my finger on it but like as when you're when you deal with energy in your life it's kind of like a radio you know what i mean there's always something pushing and pulling it's it's active all around you where when we went up there i didn't realize it till we were leaving but there was no energy like it was like some somebody put a shield on me so i wouldn't be able to sense any energy it was like dead like dead so air. we went up there spent the first night the next day we did a couple things um we did a couple you know what was just anniversary type stuff yeah. and we we're having fun now we didn't stay this was a house that we stayed in which was the mill owner's house so he owned the mill imagine yeah and it, this was his house and it had been completely restored and they left certain things and we were talking to the owners but they also had just built an, a, an addition with a huge like open area and a bed in the bedroom was brand new everything was new and that's what my wife had booked us so we weren't actually staying in the original house but we were in an addition off the original house so we really had a good time and everything and then at night we're like hey let's go look around the mansion see if we can see and we went to dinner at the mill the mill had been turned into a restaurant a restaurant so that was the place everybody went to. So when we were there, we saw everybody who had been at the bed and breakfast. There's like four or five couples, oh, right? It was packed, yeah. Right. It was so it was whatever. So after the the meal, 
we went back, we went in our room, and then we decided to look around the whole the house at like 12 o'clock, right? They had a library up in the attic. we're gluttons for punishment. And I'm like looking forward to see if I could feel anything. Is the house haunted or anything? Absolutely nothing. And then also, there wasn't a sound coming from anywhere in the house. Like no, nobody in the in the you couldn't library. Hear people, you couldn't hear people downstairs. You couldn't hear people in their their rooms. No talking. No nothing. It was just quiet. Yeah, definitely. Like where did everybody go? You know, it's like <laughs> what's going on. So Saturday morning, the breakfast gets served, and everybody's there, and we're all talking, and they're all like, "Well, after that dinner, we were all so tired, we all just went to bed." And we're all like, we went to bed too. We went to bed too. And we're like, wait a minute. Wait. We, we all, everybody went was to bed. Was it something that they fed us? Where we, <laughs> you know, because we all ate at the same restaurant. But at the same time. They thought it was odd that they. But so the woman who owned the place talked about how she just had had a psychic in. And they were talking about how she picked up a ghost or this. And, they, and, and I said, I have some sort of feeling, but I picked up nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. So when they heard that, after breakfast, they took me downstairs and showed me this creepy cubby hole. And but also downstairs was this room off to the side in the basement where you were drawn to this room. And I saw, yeah, I saw the room and it was like this little closet room. And inside the room were the last owner's children's names when they were kids and they lived in it their whole lives okay and they're written in that kind of script john hancock thing in, in the room and they said that this is the room they kept their kids in when they were bad yeah they locked them they in locked the them closet. in the basement in the closet and i'm just like okay so but the floor seems hollow to me it's the first feeling i get and it's not does it seems like maybe something was under it or yeah, whatever and you and asked it, the owner when you were said, doing all the remodeling did you find anything and he said they dug down and all the, they dug down four feet and it was just four feet down you know there was just dirt. dirt yeah so we leave and i'm just going i got nothing you know and usually and as we're leaving we get about 25 miles out of the area and we stop at a uh, a Wisconsin Badger um, place where you buy shoes, like where all the Wisconsin, where the, this this Nike shoe place. And I'm like, I need. So while we're in the parking lot, I feel it. Whatever was blocking me lifted, and I'm like, holy crap, that's what it was. Whatever was there was trying to stop me from knowing it was there that's the feeling i said it to her yeah. i said that's it so i said okay i i had a piece of uh, a notebook and i said start telling me the things you feel right now because when jeff would get you know impressions um we i would want to write them down so we didn't forget so then you got some impressions well the one impression i i got was the feeling of nothing and then we were talking about the other one was that there was something under, under that, that that room that's where the, the, there was something there there was absolutely something in that room to me and the other aspect is there was pictures all over the walls of the family and there was just one weird picture of of 
the her his four daughters and and the mother in a picture and the one daughter was in bed sickly yeah. and they had said that she had been sickly her whole life she died of consumption right and she eventually died of consumption but i was drawn to that picture for some reason so we go home now this was the weekend of may 24th and we decide we're going to do a little research yeah we're going to research so this area and I, I looked up i think i actually got some books on it found out that this is where the ammunition for the civil war because of the caves they could drop the lead down down the hole to form the bullets. This is where they, they made, made the lead, they lead, made bullets lead bullets in this by time. dropping it in, you know, down the lead, the molten lead, down a, a path into water. It would form a perfect bullet. So, anyways, learned a lot of things. But one night we're sitting in bed, we're doing the the research, and it just comes to me that the mill. Now we differ a little bit That's in okay, this, but, but yeah, it's fine. but the mill and the house are connected by a tunnel and that tunnel ran under the house and that room there there's something there that the the ghost that was that was blocking was hiding this is the impression yeah that's what i got and i was excited because it was almost a psychic premonition because yeah. i don't usually have psychic premonitions so so what do normal people do when that happens they say let's go back let's go back with dowsing rods let's go back. Right? and let's, so, so let's we, do research so, yeah so we invited my sister and her boyfriend who lived in madison wisconsin to go back with us and he is a um, american indian historian and so he has a lot of um knowledge about the history of the entire madison area and you know there was a there was another picture in the house of an American Indian woman and her two children, like standing by off to the side while everybody else was pictured on the balcony. And so we wondered if there was some like, thing with the native with American Indians. Or like, native did Americans. the band have a relationship and have two children with American woman and also four yeah, daughters? Yeah, so we're with like, this. we're going to go back and because we didn't have time with you know when you're on your anniversary trip, you're you're not about to go like go to the historical society or go to the cemetery or do those things. But that's what we did when we went back with my sister. My wife is giving me dirty looks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we went back. The next weekend, yeah. No, it was or, June 14th. 14th. Okay, June 18th. That was when we planned it. June 15th was Father's Day. Right, we planned we it. We went June. the Saturday, June 14th, and we went up there. And the first thing we did was went to the mill and I went up to the woman because we were looking around and we couldn't figure anything out about the mill because whatever. So I just went up and I wasn't at the time a very outgoing person. It's like I was always nervous to ask. But I went straight to the woman and said, "Is was this a working mill? You know, is it still the working guts of the mill still there? And she's like, yeah, it's not working at the moment, but all the guts are down there. She, I go, do you think you could take us down there? I'd love to see it. She's like, absolutely. So she takes us down there. And sure enough, this is when I'm like jumping out of my skin. There's there's um, tunnels going off. To in, the river, to the river. One to the river that it's on, but then it goes off straight towards the river that the house is on. Okay. Oh, righty. Yeah. So I go, and then there's it's going off in another direction too. So but 
but we, I, yeah, we're curious. We're like, do these tunnels like run under the town? Like, is a town is sitting on top of these tunnels that they would open up and let the water come in to run the, you know, the, the so mill? so this house is on Fourth Street, and Third Street kind of ends, and Fourth Street takes oh, the the Fourth Street is over, but if you where the the third street dead ends is a straight line underneath the house yeah <laughs> and even though the house is on fourth street the the tunnel goes right under you can just see the line going right underneath the house so i'm like so she said well we know this because they were doing some work the other day with the bobcat and they broke through and they took the tunnel yeah, all they, 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 the way the back bobcat fell through the street like went right right through. and then on whatever and, and then they took the tunnel all the way back to the mill to the mill so this guy i assumed was he could turn the mill off you know we you know he's on the river and he could turn that off and have access and to that room to the you know what i mean mill. he could store anything under there right yeah absolutely I mean, so I'm thinking there's gold or silver because this thing is blocking. I can feel the block again, but I know it this time. Right. So we go from there and we go to the cemetery. And so, again, I had this feeling where all they were buried. I'm like, they're not under there. (laughs) And she's like, what? How do you know? I said, they're not under there. And so we walk down the hill and I'm like, there's some people here and whatever. So we go to the historical society and we find out the cemetery has been moved, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is a common thing. She, my wife reminds me of this, but that was something that was whatever. But then what we noticed in the historical society all over the war, walls is that the church burned four times. City hall city burned. Her, city halls burned three times. Um, Houses have burned, you know, all the historical houses, they've been burned and rebuilt. The municipal building's been burned and rebuilt. And I said to the lady, I said, I've seen a lot of historical towns, but it sure seems like you've had a lot of fires over the years. And her answer was, well, you know, back then, the fire department really wasn't capable of putting the fires out. And they lit with candles. <laughs> but, but and- yeah, the- yeah, and so what? Yeah, right. right. But no, no, we, Jeff and I have done a lot of research, and um, we we enjoy researching old places where we go and going yeah, to and historical then- societies. And every picture on the walls is of something on fire. Like you're just looking around, going on fire, on fire, on fire. <laughs> And, you know, what... and I said to the woman, I actually said to her, what is up with, you know, we've done this before. I've never seen so many. And she just comes up with that lame excuse. And right? I'm like, that's so we leave the historical society and we go back to the house because we want to talk to the owners that we did the research and we found there's a tunnel on. Yeah, there. he was. He didn't know that. And uh, we found out. So that so, was very interesting. So. The kids are in the car. My 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 uh, sister and brother-in-law are in the car watching the kids. We go into the house. We walk into the house, and the first thing while we're there's nobody around. Okay, we didn't have a scheduled appointment, but we knew it was the Airbnb. And it's a Saturday. I mean, uh, it was a bed and breakfast. It's Saturday. You got to be around. So Rachel kind of walks in and calls out, and he says, "I'll be right there with you." Right, 
And we're standing right in the front hallway where the stairways lead upstairs, you know? Yeah. And the light goes on. Big chandelier kind of thing Just hanging. goes on. And uh, as he walks in, I say, Did you turn on that Did light? you turn on the light? And he goes, no, the light switch is over there. And that's the only place you can. I says, is that the only place? Can you turn it on upstairs? He's like, no, this is the only place you can turn it on. Hmm. I mean, I'm just like going, that is weird, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's maybe not weird, but I'm just standing there. And it's like right above my head and it goes off. So we tell him what we found and head back home. He, he was interested but also slightly uncomfortable about it so hey we all know how hard it can be to find good help nowadays right so imagine my surprise when an admirer of distillation and the product thereof showed up on the doorstep of Spirits of French Lick looking to intern to work for free for me. And I'm a bit of an asshole, to be honest with you. It surprised me as well. But the guy did such a great job that we got him hired on full time after just a couple of weeks. And he's now working as one of my new still hands at Spirits of French Lick. His name's Justin Whaley, and he's doing something really cool for those who enjoy distillation-related podcasts. He has started a podcast called Still Learning. It's kind of an audio journal where you can follow Justin's journey of learning and discovery about distillation in a professional setting. Check it out at Anchor.com and Spotify, Still Learning Podcast with Justin Whaley. secrets that they keep and they want to keep kept yes <laughs> yeah so yeah. now we we recently found out that our town has one of those with a uh, township trust trustee that went missing in the late 30s that we're working on that story now and there was never an investigation so <laughs> yeah one of the things that we did find out about the town is that river that fed the mill was a um when the indians were driven mm -hmm. out and migrated wherever they went this that was the path they took and so possibly some of those you know people stayed behind in the town as they passed through but that was just would explain why he had a, a indian woman and, and her, her kids, kids living with them she could have been the maid but or, you know anything yeah. so we we found that out also yeah. but well we go home so we go home and we get home at a re it was fine so we get home about seven six thirty have yeah Dinner. have dinner a friend a, came over a friend came over and the kids were all watching television and in the back den rachel was doing whatever she did and i took the friend home so the friend was having some issues so it took me about an hour to get back home so this i probably took him home about nine o'clock it's ten o'clock when i get back the two girls that were in the live in the, the the den watching TV, they were in bed, but the TV was on and the lights were on. So I turned off the TV and the lights, but my um, oldest son, I didn't know where he was. It was just had no clue. 
I was like, I looked in to see if they were sleeping. I noticed my wife was in bed with the little one and um, he wasn't in bed. So I figured maybe he was, we just passed each other because you can go through the living room or whatever. So, and I had, I had turned off the television and the lights in the kitchen, but I went looking for him. I had completely locked up the house. So I decided to brush my teeth. As I'm brushing my teeth, he walks across the hallway and goes into his bedroom. But when he, you know, he was, um, what? They had to be, he was 15, right? Yeah, at the yeah time? about that. 15? And he walks across the hallway and goes into bed, but he doesn't say a word to me. Like, most of the time when your kid walks by the hallway, he doesn't just whip in and go, go into his bedroom. He says something to you, right? So I thought that was strange. So I went back out and I was checking around where he could have come from. And I thought maybe he had been sleeping in the living room and I hadn't checked the couch and he had got up and just went to bed. So I went in and finished closing up the doors. And one of the things that we do to close up the house is because our son, um, we have chain locks on all the insides of the doors because when he was little, he would wake up in the middle of the night and walk outside. So we put, we will, I chain lock the two doors from the inside. And then we have a basement door that because the old, the old people who lived there, the people who lived there prior, oh, that scared the hell out of me. I forgot <laughs> my son's home and all of a sudden the door opened and I was like, oh, what's happening in this room? You know, it's like, Jesus. So it's the, 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 um, basement door locks the actual locking mechanism is from inside on the stairs so so, so that, you have to just say a little bit more about that so the gentleman that lived there before us built his own motorcycles and he didn't want his wife bothering him so he put an in a, a front door lock this is on a great the idea already okay <laughs> so we he told us about this and so you needed a key to get in the basement because yes. it was but it was backwards the the it, you yeah know, you don't know you, how many times the, i had to the, take that the, sucker off the hinges because <laughs> <laughs> the only way you could unlock it was from the inside i mean you you because he made it so that nobody could get in and it was a heavy door no it was, it was a, a heavy, solid oak heavy louvered oak door, door but it yeah. wasn't like you knocked the hinges out and when you picked it up oh it i took, couldn't i couldn't do it it so, was so heavy so but we. So there's a key that we had. But it was. Would... But it was good because my son. I didn't want my son. My you know my Little four one, year yeah. old, three year old, four year four year old son going, on five, yeah. going down the basement. So I would lock. We would lock that door with the key, and we had we hung it high. So I re, I specifically locked that door and hung the key high. So I go to bed. Now. Uh, many times, because we have a 15 going on 16 year old, Jeff and I would go to Starbucks in the morning, for um, which was close to our house. And Starbucks was kind of a new thing, right? Jeff discovered the Starbucks and it became like a ritual. But our, we could sneak out before anybody woke up and- They were old enough. They were old enough to, well, they knew when somebody was awake to watch Seth, but we could sneak out, go grab a co coffee at Starbucks and then come back. And so this was, 
the morning of Father's Day. The morning of Father's Day. And when I woke up initially, I remember it being 7.20 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the clock and I said to myself, well, we should, should we go, go to, to Starbucks? Starbucks. And I'm like, I'm tired. And so I drifted off back to sleep. And when the smoke detector went off, it was, I looked at the clock and there was no electricity. The clock was dead. So I got up quickly, ran down the hallway, and as a because we thought so, somebody was burning something in the kitchen, burning so, breakfast. So what what smoke detector went off was the one halfway down the hallway, before the kitchen, and smoke was gently just ever white, so little white, white smoke pussy. right there. But I saw it. And I went into the kitchen and looked around and it was coming from the basement and the damn basement door was wide the fuck open. I have no idea how that happened, okay? Right. I didn't think about it at the time. So I instantly went back and I yelled fire to my wife, the smoke detectors, the kids, the kids, and we went out where we went out down the hallway, out our living room and out the front door and none of us inhaled any smoke because that wasn't where the smoke was yet. But guess what happens when, you know, anybody watched the movie Backdraft? If you open up the front, front door, door, you now give the fire oxygen. Oxygen. Yeah. So we were outside. It, oh, by the way, on Jepson is tidy whities Yeah, I did. I'm, I was in my underwear and a t-shirt. I'm in a t-shirt and nobody's, my 15-year-old took the time to put his clothes on. Because <laughs> he didn't want to go outside. And he grabbed his Pokemon binder. binder. Yes. Touche. Touche. Yeah. Yes, touche. And so we're all standing out there, and I told the girls to well, run across the street to the neighbors. Well, that's when yeah. when we're first, they were out, and everybody's out, and I'm and like. the dog came with and us. I, yeah. And we got the dog out and everything, and I said to, <laughs> we didn't get the goddamn hamster, but it lived. Yeah. <laughs> I don't okay. know how it lived, but it lived. Anyways, um, and this hamster was mean. That's why it lived. It but anyways, I said to my wife, I said, I, you can't use our cell phone. We got a call from the phone because the fire department will know where we are when we dial 911. So I went back in to get the phone. Like a dum-dum. Now, when I went <laughs> back in, there was no more billowing smoke in the the, the smoke was covering up to my, it had come up and dropped down from the ceiling so that I could only see waist level. Everything else was smoky, but I was able to feel around from the phone. But what I did is I looked, when I found the phone, I looked around the corner because it was sitting in the kitchen on this little um, counter that we put everything on. And I grabbed the phone, but something in me, and I don't know why, told me to slam the door. And when I looked down, instead of a white billowing thing I had seen before, it looked like a coal freight train coming up the stairs at me, right? A, so a fire. So I reached over and slammed the door. And when I came out, my face was black, black, was with, black. with the with the smoke. And, and we called 911. So when I shut the door, unbeknownst to me, I took the oxygen away from the fire. And the firemen said afterwards that closing the door probably saved the house. 
because when they went down there, it was just mildly and they were able to get it, it out and whatever. Most of but the flame was out. When the, you know, I'm sitting outside in my underwear. We're waiting. I got a cop in front of me now and like I'm going to run back in or something. But we're waiting for the fire department to get there and it takes forever and ever and ever. But they finally get there. It's Father's Day and they, they somebody brought whatever, but they were getting their hoses out and everything and they're doing all their stuff and they're in there for like five minutes and i'm thinking okay what's going on well it turns out that when i shut the door it locked the door was still freaking locked they couldn't get down the basement so they had to ask me where the key was they didn't want to axe down the door they because it was a heavy door so they asked me where the key is the key still was there and he unlocked the door with the key and went downstairs. Wow. So whatever the F happened with this, I have I have an idea what happened why the door was open. Well, you you you, you know, anybody listening is thinking, well, something came back from Mazamani and burnt your try to burn you up and i'm not (laughs) sure that's i'm not sure if it was now what it was in in reality what they when they investigated but it was still weird what they investigated they investigated the dehumidifier and they the dehumidifiers um what you call it um its thermostat was on recall and supposedly it went out burned the cord caught laundry laundry on, on fire. fire and then started the fire okay which is a feasible aspect but after making that statement the day before yeah and investigating this now who opened the door one with it locked with, with it, it locked right with, with it, the only and, and I, I mean i'm telling you, you had to use 100 in with you use the key the, the door, door un- unlocked. it unlocks it doesn't stay locked Right. I even checked that later. And right. so there was it, no way for it. It's not like it slipped. It's not <laughs> like it's spring loaded and locked whenever right. you pulled the key out or something. Right. right. And I had shut that door and checked it the night before 100%. There's this this thing of how did the door get open? And then okay, one of the kids woke up and went downstairs and and whatever, but the fact that there's no way they would have relocked it while it was open you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah why would you that we, we tried to so, mess with the door to debunk it and we so couldn't debunk it i'm under the it was either timmy <laughs> or it was the daughter of uh, uh, i think that the the thing that was blocking us was the owner of the mill to not find that and this was his attempt and his daughter that I had noticed in the painting or the picture had, because I always got a feeling about her, something weird, had been our guardian angel and just let us so not die in that. Because we would have died if that door didn't so open. So the, the, right. the fire chief was, you know, a very nice man. And uh, he said that when the alarm went off in the fire station, it's Father's Day, right? He said, you know, they were talking amongst themselves, the firemen, 
and said, please, God, don't make us carry body bags out in front of a father on Father's Day. I mean, they were just, they, they he said the, the feeling they had coming to our house, knowing that it was in the neighborhood with a lot of kids, because our whole block was filled with kids and families, was just, he said, the, the most horrendous drive over ever. And then, of course, they got there and saw us all out of the house. They, some of the firemen started cracking really bad barbecue jokes. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> not only barbecue. They're yeah. like, this is not the kind of barbecue you want to have on Father's Day. To me, or, that's or what they said cat. to We're me. Like, you know, hey, you know, you're inviting us over to your barbecue. I mean, all these, which they apologized for later because they were in really poor taste. But he said it was because they were so ecstatic to find that nobody relief. Was, yeah. yeah, so much relief to find that there wasn't any injuries or anything because that fire chief said to me that uh, in, in that type of a fire, so the, the basement temperature was well over 4,000 degrees. It melted the light bulbs. I've never seen anything so cool in a bad way, but the light bulbs had melted down to like a fine little string. So we had, you know, no covers on the bulbs downstairs. Wow. And... Um, if you unscrewed it and turned it upside down, it looked like melted glass, like someone had melted it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he said that typically will burn the subfloor. And then when people try to leave the house, they fall through to their death. They fall down into the basement and die. Probably because the basement is insulated by the ground around it. So it the heat holds has no place to go. Yeah. yeah, and our house was built by a masonry contractor. And so it was masonry block and then the floors were not typical particle board. They were actual floors. Well, plus so, ours was hardwood And we floors. had hardwood floors. They so had laminate over it, but it was a hardwood yeah, floor. So, I mean, the, the sturdy construction of the house was very beneficial to us. But so, we'll go for... So, we get displaced. And the first thing that happens well, let where... Me, let me this is this your story, story yeah. but we get displaced to this where the Milwaukee Brewers, who are on the team live because they in might the, get in traded these, in this fancy condo complex um because all the the crappy places they put people the insurance companies put people after fires were all booked up so the only place they could find us was the sanctuary which was you know cool. very ritzy so tell this you know. part yeah so we, we we go to the sanctuary with nothing right i mean we had nothing and uh it's furnished yeah it's it's like a you know, nicely little furnished um, three bedroom condo and we're upstairs. And uh, I don't, how many days after we moved there did this What happen? do you mean? We moved in and it was, uh, Within, we moved in on a- Cause Jeff would remember these Cause days. it happened on Sunday. Yeah. We spent one night, so it was Tuesday we moved in. Yeah. And Wednesday is when it okay. happened when I was at work. Yeah, so Jeff's at work on Wednesday and um, my two girls were in a, in a bedroom with just two twin beds next to each other with a desk in between. And then um, Stefan and Seth had uh, a bedroom with two beds. And then we were in the other bedroom. And my daughter, Samantha, comes to me and says, Mommy, the light is flickering. And I'm like, the light's flickering? She goes, yeah, come in my room. The light is flickering. And I'm like, okay, I'll come in your room check out this light right so i walk in the bedroom and the desk lamp in between the two twin beds is not only flickering but there's a tower of fire coming out of the lampshade uh wow <laughs> so 
just instinctually, I, I went over, I grabbed the base of this lamp, I yanked it. I went, we were on the second floor. I went running out, ran down the stairs and chucked the lamp out the door. I just tossed yeah. it out the door. So of course it burnt the lampshade, a, a good one, and sat there for a minute and went, was there just a fire? Again. Again. Again yeah. in our condo? Are you kidding me? So, so I called the you know the condo owner or the manager or whatever and said this this lamp just started on fire and they're of course well that never happens and something must have short circuited or I don't know they're making all these excuses for you but know. there's more trauma oh yeah so right. we're like super so we're super traumatized um, our youngest Seth who was I I believe he was because when we moved to Ohio he was in kindergarten so he had to be five or or just turned five he. Um, we wound up having to take him to therapy because he like took a took a knife out of the kitchen drawer and was like wielding a knife around and screaming and trying to like stab stuff. Wow! Whoa. At five years old, and they said it was you know post traumatic stress. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And and so you know and and we went we did some therapy with him and it worked out just fine and it never manifested into anything. But this lamp started on fire. In the, in the, so, in the so while we're living there, we start doing extra things. The house is getting, it didn't burn the to unfixability. The basement was bad, but they had to go. And we ended up getting a, a brand new rec room in the basement. We didn't put, we didn't put um, hardwood floors back in and we get plank, plank, everything. We make the, this house, the house of our dreams. Yeah. We decided but while, to... but while we're doing the basement, we were, they weren't gonna, they they had done a bunch of stuff to it to seal it and everything after the they fire. They cleaned it. But, but my but my wife being the person she want, knowing what she wanted, she wanted carpeting down there. And so I had to um, myself seal the floor dry lock the and then dry lock the basement. So it was a bunch of different coats, right? But this was like in early September when it was really hot out. It was like 80, 90 degrees out. So the one night we're doing it and it got so hot down there and I was doing it and I was close to passing out. So we went home and we decided to do it the next day. So I start doing it the next day and I'm getting close to being finished. And we've got a fa we've got fans now blowing all the windows circulation open. and yeah. windows open. So I don't almost pass out. Well, she goes, I know you're almost done. I got to go home. I'm going to grab lunch and then I'll meet you back at the place. So I'm downstairs dry locking and it starts to get hot. And I just remembered hearing we had um, plastic blinds on our sliding door. And in front of the door was the fan that was, we had the fan at the base of the stairs, the top of the stairs and at that. And we were just sucking all the air out of the basement. And she leaves and I hear the fan, I hear not knowing what it was, but I hear the 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 um, blinds on the sliding door start hitting together. They were plastic and they're going and I'm like, what the hell is that thinking, you know? And it starts to get hot down there. And all of a sudden I start to get dizzy again. And I'm like, oh my God, I better go upstairs because I'm starting to feel the same way I did the night before and I'm sweating. I go upstairs and the damn sliding door is closed. 
Wow. It's closed. I And the blinds were making that, and I even know the point when I heard it, not putting two and two together, I thought maybe it was just that the wind was, you know what I mean? Yeah, not thinking, door, not thinking the door was closed, yeah. But, but this is my back patio door. Who the f? No, how does how does it get closed? We we thought well maybe a neighbor saw it open we, and thought we left it open we and asked closed them all. it. But we asked everybody. Well, it, guys... and, and even discounting the neighbors and let's say it's something paranormal. Uh, you know those sliding doors, even the nice ones are they're heavy. They're oh, not. No, this was an old heavy. one. This is yeah. a, this was an old heavy sliding old door. sliding heavy. So door. whatever whatever move that had some some. If it was a paranormal, it had some serious, you know, energy but, but to if it. If you were the neighbor and you closed the door, why would you leave the fan out? Right. You know what I'm saying? And you would you would also think so you, you heard the blinds, but those old doors like that, and I and I, I remember those because the place one of the places where I grew up at had those. But you would, you know, if it was a person closing it, because you know how they are, like you get them like three quarters away and you're struggling with it, you get it to the very end, and then it like it, it kind of slams. slams. You yeah, know, it does slam. all yeah. I heard was the, the the blinds start to go. I heard nothing on the closing door. And I called her and I said, did you shut the door? And I she's mean, like, I'm no. Like, why would why would, I, and, and then whoever would have done it would have turned the fucking fan off. Sorry, would have turned the fan off. <laughs> they ain't gonna hurt nothing. It's so that is that part is like, okay, so it's still trying to kill me. Hello, listeners of If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. You might recognize my voice. I'm Stephanie McNew. I host a podcast called Highly Spirited Podcast, where I give you a cocktail history and a ghost story that pairs with it. I'm a great big fan of what Kim and Alan are doing here with If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Be on the lookout for maybe a collaboration between us in October. I cannot wait. And in the meantime, if you want more ghost stories, check me out on Highly Spirited Podcast. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music. Should be anywhere you find podcasts. New episodes are out every Friday. The thing that, so we get in the, everything. We move done, back in, and right? we, we move back in in um, December, was it December 5th? We were, no, we got it back in November 5th because yes. we're in time for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. But move back in the house, It's but we're remodeling the kitchen because it hadn't been completely finished, but it was livable, right? Well, well the firemen had, the, the fire came up through the, where, where your stove and um, you know, anywhere that the, 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 like the gas comes up, anywhere pipes came up, yeah. the fire came up. So the fire missed the insulation. So we had a giant open attic. The entire ranch was open. You could crawl in through the garage and crawl all the way to the other side with you know, blown in insulation. And they said, if that fire would have reached the blown in insulation, it would have, that would have been it. Would have been over with. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd be done. So the fire went up about three quarters of the way behind the stove and they had to take giant sledgehammers to the walls. So our kitchen was sort of, they ripped out the, the dishwasher, they ripped out the stove, they sledgehammered the walls so that they could hose the fire that was coming up those walls so the kitchen had to be like re- yeah but she remodeled it so the two rooms I, which used to be the the computer den dining room i opened up our she whole made it all area. one one kitchen yeah, we did a beautiful so anyways remodel. we're 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 not quite done with that right but we're back in the house and we're looking at some things what some things that we're matching at 
and Dexter comes up with his ball. And I'm like, it's I, a little it's baseball. A little, it's like a baseball, a, a tennis ball kind of. No, it was a, a it was actually a racquetball. And he comes up with it, and I took it and I bounced it. And he looked at me, but we were talking, so I set it on the table, right? The dining room table, yeah. The table on the one, and this, I swear to God, unbelievably, I we both turned around to go walk across the kitchen to pick out this um, little table thing she wanted to pick out, and the ball came over my shoulder. Yeah, it came flying over our shoulder. came flying over my shoulder as my dog went and got it. Timmy was right. playing ball with Dexter. Yes, Timmy threw it <laughs> over. Yeah, but it was like the weirdest thing. I set it on the table. There's no way that that ball could have gotten off that Levitated. Table. And it and comes then... over my shoulder and bounces in the, and Dexter gets it. And there was no kids, no nothing. It was just the weirdest yeah, it's it's right there with what Jeremy was saying about the ball being thrown back from the front room upstairs of his house where right. he's playing with the dog and and nope, uh-uh. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want to know what threw it. I don't want to know what threw it. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then we were like, we were just like, oh, it, we actually both said, oh, it's Timmy. Oh, yeah. Right. That's all we said. We said, we said hey, we're with, back. Welcome back. So, right? so the last part was, is that that was, um, so we did the time but but we were there was not too much activity do you have it i don't oh, think you, you're missing okay the, you're go, missing you, the, go. The, you do the, it I, I call it the what 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 to me sealed the deal that when when things were changing with jeff's job and we were looking to where we were going to go i had already told him that i know we just remodeled this entire house i mean jeff and i did a ton of work that the um, insurance didn't pay for so that we could do everything. I said, I want, I want out. Uh, we're, we're moving. We're, we're, we're leaving. So we, um, we did, it was in the spring. So we had a, all of our family came over for, for Easter. And I did this huge Martha Stewart Easter feast and, um, we did the whole table and we, we sort of had a housewarming party and it was great. Right. And so I, I know it was spring because it was right after Easter and um the we had really bad thunderstorms like wicked ones right ridiculously bad thunderstorms and we had big transformers in our backyard so on this creek there were these you know poles with big transformers and you know on occasion something happens with these transformers during storms but you know i'm I'm talking to my sister-in-law jeff's sister jill on the phone and and uh um I believe the kids were were in school because it was just me. There. No, it was a Saturday, and I was there too. No, you were, I remember when you were talking, and it was a right, well, loud. I called you at work, so this this I know you were not at home when this happened. Oh. Okay. Um, and the the flash of lightning was so bright that it was it blinded me in the kitchen. I mean, it was scary. Okay, and it hit this i thought it hit the transformer in the backyard because it exploded so this transformer that was by the you know on the other side of the creek not in our yard but right even with our house blew up like a bomb on top of this telephone pole and of course all the power went out right um the the crack was the loudest crack i'd ever heard in my life and the and i felt the vibration in my feet of this lightning strike so I was like, Jesus, you know, I, I didn't think anything of it other than, oh, lightning hit the transformer. Um, 
and I, I, I've called Jeff and I'm like, you know, and I called the electric company because I, and the fire department came and they, you know, was already had put out, but wires were down and they were live and it was a big mess, right? So I don't know, maybe, you know, a week or so goes by, maybe less. And we're all sitting in the den, our brand new, beautifully remodeled den that Jeff and I laid the tile floor ourselves. And the fireplace is bleeding water while it's raining. So the f water's like coming out of all, uh, in between all this beautiful big stone fireplace we had in there and water's running down the fireplace. And I'm like- Making the ceiling wet. Yeah, making the ceiling wet too. And I'm like, what is, why is the fireplace leaking? You know, how, I don't understand. So. I called a chimney guy the next... No, no. you sent me... Oh, first, yeah, I said, Jeff, go up on the roof. So I go up on the roof. And see what's going Alan. on with the, with the, with the, you know, is the roof, is the shingle blew off? Is rain's coming in the, so, in, in the roof? Oh, just um, oh my God, that that's, that's too funny. Turn just, your phone off. It's a spooky, is, yeah. spooky ringer. Uh, so anyways, I go up there, Alan, and where my chimney is, right? All the face plates of the bricks are blown are off. blown off, creating a perfect circle around the chimney. And one freaking brick is at a 90 degree angle. Huh. So so we have a ranch and it's low, and next to the ranch is a a t detached garage, as everybody knows, which is tall. And then our yard is surrounded by 100 year old or 70, 60, 80 year old monster trees uh, uh, lining our whole backyard that are taller than the telephone poles. We have, you know, we are the lowest thing possible in, 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 you know. But, but, the, but the chimney guy said, when this type of thing happens, it's generated from, from the, the ground, ground up. up. So lightning came from the ground up through our chimney and went out that brick. And then the bomb blew all the face off all the the bricks. In my, in my head, and I can't help this, in my head, here's here's what I, it, <laughs> you, <laughs> you said that. Here's what I'm imagining. Is that scene from Ghostbusters where the top of the building blows off? Yes. Yeah, but imagine... <laughs> you know, Imagine it being the top of the building blown off, but your your chimney is completely intact. The face of the brick is laying it's there, gone. but there's so still weird. all the bricks. And then there's this thing that if you look at where it's pointing, it's pointing directly to the transformer. Yeah, directly. Right. I think the, the lightning came up and blew out and hit the transformer. On and a 90 degree angle? Exploded. The so this so the chimney guy in was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin is famous. He does the White House. He he is the he's a famous chimney uh, builder, repairer, you know. And he he went up on the roof and he came down and he said to me, I I've never seen anything like this. It's baffling me that the the astronomical odds of ground to surface lightning you know in a neighborhood like this with you know yeah being the lowest he said it's just he goes i don't he goes it's it's a freak it's a fluke and i said you know what 
I'm out of here. Peace out. We're done. Well, That's yeah. it. I, and we're when gone. I got the, I, so I had a bunch of job offers. My job, I actually built in the basement so I could bring the this big $500,000 computer home. I oh, had it built put in. I put in an office in so I didn't have to go to the office. I mean, it was set up. It was perfect. We were able to do it with insurance. And when, when I was offered when i was looking and we we weren't making quite enough money and i had to go find another job and i was offered this job in ohio from my cousin the first thing she said is hell yes yeah <laughs> you're right couldn't say yes fast enough yeah, well, I'm, no. I'm, we're out of here wondering too with those transformers in your backyard so this is one thing i've not touched on on the show but um you know i i suspect that you know obviously whatever i was dealing with here at the farm was some sort of nature spirit etc um and still is but you know, these things, whatever, all these things all feed off of energy somewhere. And I'm sure that they were obviously using those transformers to some degree or the electricity, you know, that's around. And so one of the things that, that I've kind of put two and two together in my head with experiences I've had on the farm and Kim have had, Kim has had, my mom and my dad, on top of whatever's naturally here, you know, my dad has always been into CB radios and ham radios and, and shortwave and all that stuff. So like my whole life has just been like... <laughs> <laughs> bombarded by electrical signals since you know before i was ever born you know and and i suspect fully that all these things manipulate that energy to whatever degree they can oh absolutely well yeah and now once i took the the, the energy classes and understand the energy i for whatever reason have been able to switch it so that I can be the aggressor opposed to insult. Oh it's yeah. Kind of like I went from being kind of a little bit fearful to no fear at all. To, yeah, dominating <laughs> the, the situation. That's that's kind of the same thing that happened with me too. But I I am curious. So you did you did mention uh this spot in the yard. Did you guys end up ever No, because no, we got out and I left it alone. He's yep. like we I said no. I, I actually put my foot down I, and said I you really, may not dig it up. I'm like I'm like we're not All it takes that is up. just three guys with a shovel one night, you know? I'm like nope. <laughs> not happening, yeah. So we uh, it took us the, the house did not sell. This is this beautifully remodeled home and I'm talking we did everything. It was gorgeous. Yep. Um the, this house did not sell. Uh, we paid a mortgage for a year while, you know, basically paid two for a year because we could not sell the house. And um, our real estate agent could not understand it, but he finally sold the house to Polish immigrants. This is what he told us, these people. So what he did is he helped immigrants find homes and that helped his real estate practice. And so he put these Polish immigrants in this home. It was a family um, and we all we knew all the neighbors yeah so all of our neighbors you know said that they they kept to themselves they didn't talk to anybody blah 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 whatever and then one day our neighbor said that they packed up and left and left everything in the house wow <laughs> so is and that's not they abandoned, the, they, they abandoned the house with everything in it so it was abandoned for like a year <laughs> more than a year because well, we, we would come back in town to visit our family. And then of course, cause we're gluttons for punishment. We would go drive by, right? We're <laughs> drive by and, and check it out. And it was the, the 
all overgrown and nobody had mowed the yard. The weeds were everywhere. It was just a mess in this really nice neighborhood that our house looked like, you know, like in monster house, you know, when you're walking down the right. block and all the houses are pretty and then monster house is right there. That's what it looked like. It was just so odd. I mean, the shades were drawn. drawn I mean, yeah. you know how that is, and, but they're crooked. Yes, it was like crooked lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, and that's that's interesting too, because then you guys probably know this, but uh, I don't know if there's more states, but like California, you, you have, have to, to disclose, disclose yeah, if a house is haunted. That's what I was getting ready to ask, is Wisconsin a, a disclosure state? I, I, back then, Wisconsin 18 not years ago. That. Because I don't think my, so. My parents sold our the house, you know, that I grew up in for um, that we lived in for thirty years to to lawyers, and uh, yeah, they didn't say anything about it. <laughs> She's interesting because they're lawyers; their brain isn't open to you know those types of things, <laughs> right? But he sold <laughs> the lawyers who their kids lived in that. So yeah, when you, I mean, yeah. yeah, I don't know. We we mm -hmm. never talked to them to find out if they experienced any. Yeah. Well, that is as good of an excuse to move to Ohio as I've ever heard. Right. <laughs> I'm just yeah, saying. As far away as possible, please. And nothing, nothing like And if we walked into this house and I'm like, are there any ghosts in here? Oh, do, I did everything. Do you feel anything? Because I did everything I'm not... spiritually to block anything. <laughs> I said, and please goal. don't bring it with us. Whatever well, we're we're going to have to take Jeff and Roxy and, and show them dowsing oh, for yeah. graves and all that stuff sometime because there's... If you guys are open to the energy thing, there's a lot that you could have learned from just dowsing, just like that spot in your yard, a it simple told you yes or no. There. Those people, uh, you know, the mill owner and all that stuff, whether or not those bodies were there, they, you would have you would have been able to interpret. And we, we've actually used dowsing rods also to get yes, no answers. Yeah. So, yeah I think are you are familiar with muscle testing? No. I'm not. So when you tell a truth, your muscles are will stay strong so chiropractors use this all the time like if you say my name is jeff and they try you try and resist somebody trying to push your arm down it'll stay strong okay mm -hmm. but if you say your name is jim when it's jeff they'll easily be able to put your arm down arm down now a lot of people say this is parlor tricks that uh chiropractors use but there's easy ways to do it yourself. And I still do it to this day where I don't, I, when I test, I kind of, I don't trust it by just doing it a little bit. I do it as hard as I can every time. And it, it basically on anything you ask about the universe, if you, if you kind of been trained in how to do this, it will answer the question, yes or no. Nice. If it oh, if it's no, it will break. If it's yes, you'll be you won't be able to break the the oh. the hole. Well, that that's <clears throat> that's kind of the same idea with dowsing, and that you're especially you're holding the rods loose in your hands, and you're just letting the the energy, whether it works through your own muscles or it works through some outside force, right. it's mm -hmm. doing the same thing. But yeah. you know, and there are people that 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 live to debunk dowsing. The amazing oh, yeah. the amazing Randy has offered I don't know a million dollars or whatever goofy it is. For somebody to disprove this test, you're like, oh, I hit a bottle of water under some leaves, right? right. Nobody yeah. who nobody who takes themselves seriously as a as a as a dowser, whether they're a water witch or a grave witch, whatever, right, is ever going to take that on because he's never going to believe you anyway. So, right, 
Right. But, but when you can put it to a test with actual historic facts like we have, and, and I learned this from two guys here in the county who were on the cemetery commission that used it to identify unmarked graves that they could then later go back to cemetery records and, and probe, prove were there and, and then probe them and actually see the graves were there. They get, get it gets pretty convincing pretty quickly. Right. And it's one of those things too that not everybody can do. There's no no we have a very good friend that cannot do it. Yeah. Well my my brother and sister can't well, my brother's never tried, my sister can't do it. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure Jack could do it. <laughs> I picked it up and I did it immediately. Yeah, the first time I showed Kim, she picked it up immediately. But I've used it for years to find unmarked graves and, and prove that they're there, etc. And, and even have even gotten a historical marker set for a grave that we suspected was there and then proved via dowsing and probing, probing exactly where it was at. So we could always do a show on the front yard of my old house, dowsing. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, this is Alan Bishop over at Distillers Talk and the One Piece of the Time Distilling Institute on YouTube. Are you interested in learning or expanding upon the ancient art of distilling? Whether it's for spirits, essential oil, or tinctures, our friends over at 13 Stills have you covered. With hand-built copper stills made to last, Jason at 13 Stills has the setups you need to produce high-quality product. From two gallons to 200 gallons are ready to roll prohibition sets, complete with tricloves and thump barrels with fruit ports. Give 13 Stills a call today at 1-502-424-5283. Tell them that Alan Bishop sent you on over. Uh, we have a we have a friend, a very close mutual friend that you just hung out with recently, and I don't know if he and his wife told you, but they found out the hard way that they have a cemetery in their backyard. Oh God! So this is this is Bo Cumberland, by the way, uh, who I think they he was mowing the yard. I can't remember the exact story. He was mowing the yard or and something. There was something like he ran a, over a headstone a, or something. Well, he that ran over a piece over. of stone. He decided to dig it. Figured out it was a headstone, and then he kept going out to the backyard and finding more headstones. And he starts sending me names. He's like, "Hey, can you find anything on this?" And I found that there was a whole cemetery. I think it was like six or seven graves in his yard. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, "You got weird stuff going on at your house." He's like, "Not that I've noticed." I'm like, "Give it time, buddy." Yeah. <laughs> they know you know now. <laughs> right. Right. So maybe they're all just peaceful. They may be. And, and they were, uh, from what we can tell, and I'm sure there are more graves there too, but from what we found historically, it looks like most of them are children. They were probably, they were kind of in the time period of where cholera was a big deal here in the Midwest. Yeah, right. And there was the one. The depressing part of the cemetery always is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, uh, and I just took a picture of it for one of our, we're working on this Oracle project uh, deck, this Oracle deck, tarot deck. And, so one of the things that we're playing with was an idea of like an ancestral energy card. And so here in Washington County and all across Southern Indiana, because cholera was so huge in the Midwest in particular, uh, we have these stones that I have never, I've never seen one in Kentucky. I've never seen one anywhere else. I've only seen them in Indiana, but people were dying in such vast numbers during the, the three cholera outbreaks in the mid 1800s that they were just digging mass graves. And so there's two, maybe three cemeteries I can think of that have these. 
You'll see an area of the cemetery where there's no headstones. There'll be one headstone on the edge, and it says area of unknown dead. And it's usually always gated off, too. We've we've seen where one headstone has 14 children's name on it. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and this doesn't even have the names. It just literally says area, area of unknown of dead and an arrow pointing. When cholera went through our area, it was killing people so quickly that like a doctor was fine when he left Salem to go to one to the next town over to I didn't, treat somebody and he didn't make it. He didn't even go to another town. That was that was in Salem. Yeah. He, he was it? Whole families were killed. Yeah. Yeah, he literally we have an account of him. He uh he went to visit a uh visit a family that had cholera, came back, wrote a warning to the newspaper, the next morning he was dead. And that's how quickly it was happening. So, so they were just digging mass graves and and it says area of unknown dead. And of course, with it, they're gated off because- Not all cholera, of them are, some of them Yeah, are. cholera, you dig up a cholera grave and you risk turning it back loose. Yeah, you know? it'll live in the ground like anthrax for, for centuries. Wonderful. <laughs> right so so bear, bear that in mind here's yeah here's 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 one of those fun historical facts you guys go into historical societies wherever you live at always find out where the cholera graves are so the shit ever hits the fan and you need to bury somebody somebody's not digging into a cholera grave and making it worse <laughs> those or, are the, those are the weird or, facts that i know about my community yeah. <laughs> or just have the right people digging the grave <laughs> <laughs> right right um, so when you do your searching for unmarked graves, um, do you do it at night or in the day? Usually during the day. Um, I've not found with that, with dowsing, that there's a whole lot of difference. The only time that I won't do it is like if I'm physically ill or uh, just kind of not, even if I'm not physically ill, like today when I got home, I took a nap. Like there, like I couldn't you're, have went you're and- drained. Yeah. you're energetically yeah. drained it's not a good time to do it now alan uses it to find find things i use it to commu communicate the other side and to confirm my tarot readings That's well like i've, I've done do. that as well yeah, yeah. but not so, as often as you do but yes yeah. when i was in college i did tarot readings to supplement income yeah yeah i still have my tarot card deck it was i i always I knew it was all about intuition, mm -hmm. you know, how to read and interpret, not based off because a lot of the people I didn't know, but you get a sense of it. So I just go with it. And most right. of the time they come back, I think I did it, you know, six, seven times. And most of the time they come back and they're like, you were right. Right. <laughs> right. So I mean, I've always, I always, before I did, actually started getting into it, like trying to control it, knew it was there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah we we both do tarot and then i do runes as well and then yeah that's the point of doing this oracle deck so the thing with the tarot deck is um you, you know like people people cards. people are already limited enough by the world that they live in with all their electronics and all the distractions and everything else it's hard for people to and interpretation of those images has changed over the years right so it's hard for people to internalize the meaning of 73 cards but if you had a deck for example that was let's say 30 33 cards right and they were very almost uh Jungian psychology in nature right to where you could you could easily look at them you look at the image you have a understanding of what that image and what the name of the card means 
I think more people would take advantage of it. And that's what we're going to try to do with this thing that we're working on. Um, what I found was the card had a basic meaning, but each reading and even the card to would define itself to me. Yeah. yeah that's kind it, of what... it meant different things for different people. Well, exactly. And, and, and that... sometimes it meant what it meant, and other times it meant different things. It meant different. And that's that's one of the reasons why I like runes, for example. And we don't we still don't know all of the runes because we don't have great archaeology on on uh, Scandinavian culture of that time period. But the interesting thing about runes is when you sat down and you start to understand the positive and negative meanings, and you can you can take away all the occult meanings of it, take away like people reading runes and all that stuff, but just what we understand what each of those runes means, there's a universal understanding that no matter what culture you would have come from in Europe, there would have been a point in time in Europe, and it still exists to this day, where you could look at any of those runes that we know exist, and you would have some understanding of exactly what that rune was saying, no matter what culture you came from. I I, I completely get that. Um, the one thing I'll say, and since we've gone completely off I've I've been completely out there. Is uh, the what I what what I found is that basically the rules of the world of society are the are completely and totally wrong and total bullshit. Medicine is is basically been harnessed to a box with like completely illogical assumptions yep and the actual way the world works has nothing to do with how the world is portrayed to have work and everybody accepts these these rules and those rules aren't the rules yeah and when you sit there and you realize this that you can help somebody anywhere in the world from where you are. And when you realize that you can do something like that, and you realize that somehow they tell you you can't, it just blows my mind what sometimes when something, when, I, when I've done something and I've helped somebody from a distance. And I always like to say that I like to know, like I even put rules on it that I don't even think those are the rules. Absolutely. Like, like if I know where somebody is 3000 miles away and that they're sleeping in their bed, I can help them. But that's a rule where I say, well, they got to be sleep. I got to know where they are to help them. Yes. But in, in essence, I also know deep down that's that's how I do it. But that's not the rule. That's not the way that it necessarily works. Yeah. Well, right. and but, even yeah. even with what you're saying, Jeff, uh, I will say this, and this is part of the premise and one of the reasons why that I wanted to do this show in general about the supernatural, and it's not just ghosts, it's everything, right? Um, it is my opinion that, and I, the second episode I did with Jack that'll air on uh, the Day of the Dead, this comes up quite a bit, but it's my opinion that the vast majority of people who are physically sick a, they got there partly because of the world that we live in, but B, they are physically sick because they are soul sick because of the world that we live in. And that I very much so believe that spiritual warfare is a real thing. And I will say this, and I mentioned it in the intro, if people know what they're listening for in the intro, uh, the thing I say about people becoming more aware of things in the past two years is because 
that little C word changed things, right. right? And negative entities were feeding off of that because negative entities feed off of fear as much as anything else. And we now, yeah, we now live in a world where the, 10 years ago, uh, doctors and lawyers and high paid people, even if they'd had experiences, they wouldn't talk about it. But now so many people have had experiences and so many people are seeing the things that are happening in the world that it can't be denied anymore. And then you can throw in the whole aspect of the rest of the universe participating. I mean, the physical rest of the universe is out there and that keeps getting closer to them actually telling us. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and that's one of the, that's one of the things that we're going to do um, as an upcoming segment that'll be on the second season of the show is, so I'm going to have Andy on, Andy Kasperzak, and he has had, that I know of, no paranormal experiences, but Andy is big into uh, the UFO A-tip thing. And so we're going to do a show where we just dive into that with Andy. And then every week or every two weeks, anytime there's any kind of major update, because there's so much disclosure stuff happening there, right. I'm going to jump on with Andy for five minutes and we're going to have a little a little uh, corner of the show that's just going to be Andy's. Wait, wait. So so Fred, Fred Minnick does above the char. So you guys should come up with something like <laughs> above the stratosphere. Above the par. Above the bar. There you go. You know what I mean? That your little that little mm -hmm. segment. This is Alan Bishop of If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Are you interested in distilled spirits? The production thereof? Tastings? Well, let me tell you about a cooperative group of some of my best friends and favorite podcasters in the industry, the Bar Cart Co-op. The Bar Cart Co-op is made up of several unique spirits-based content creators. Do you love music? The stories behind the music? How about the way that music influences the people who craft your favorite independent spirits? Be sure to check out Kevin Rose and Drew Crawley with special guests on the Bourbon Turntable. Are craft spirits reviews? good laughs and big personalities your thing check out my brothers patrick and mike on my whiskey den every monday at nine o'clock eastern patrick and mike bring in the best of craft spirits review them and have a great time on their show what a better way to follow up the shittiest first day of the week anyways do deep dives into distilling methodology with a diverse group of distillers the world over aimed at both home and legal distillers interest you then check out my other show with my co-host Christy Atkinson, Distillers Talk, available wherever you get your podcasts. How about Victorian-era cocktails? My brother Brian Cushing, Victorian man, has you covered over on YouTube via the Victorian Barroom. For more information, check out barcartcoop.com. <laughs> 